Suzanne Pedersen in her ninth Solheim Cup with this to win the trophy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ninth tee, part one of two episodes of talking to an LPGA rookie and an LPGA veteran about playing during the COVID-19 pandemic and looking ahead to their 2021 seasons. Joined as always by the one, the only, Mr. Ben Harpering of womensgolf.com. How are you, Mr. Ben? Intros do keep getting better. Um, I'm doing great. We have a very special guest today. I'm excited to to talk with her. Who is she? This would be Miss Jennifer Chang. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're doing something. I think that pause spoke a lot more than whatever words we could have said. But we're really excited to have you on. It, it's a very rare occurrence to have someone coming off their rookie year going into their rookie year again. So looking forward to learning about all, all those experiences going into part two. Jennifer, you came into this season as a rookie coming out of Q series, that marathon. Hey, Ben, do you want to plug our Q series episode? Oh, we did an awesome episode talking about the trials and tribulations and the challenges of Q School and Q Series. You should check that out. Okay, great. Thanks for doing that. And so, Jennifer, you finished T9 at the 2019 Q Series, the last one that's happened. 2020s was canceled due to the pandemic. What did you immediately do after that to start preparing for your first rookie season? I made the big decision to leave school. Um, and obviously, you know, with the Q school, they have the option for college players to um, finish off their last semester before turning pro. But I just thought with the opportunity that I had um, having full status, I just wanted to take full advantage of that and uh, just turn pro right after a Q series. So there is a lot that went on. I took a big break after I got my... Um, hard and just enjoyed my last few weeks at school so um just try to live it up uh before having to do that adult life and settle down and have to get to work um so yeah it took a good couple weeks off so I was kind of rusty going to the season which is not what you really want in terms of preparation um so I had gone down to Florida after New Year's and spent some time with my coach there um, and then just got right into it um, with my first event at Boca. Is after New Year's when you started prepping for the year? Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah, could so go like back a good and change three that? Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely would. How would you change yeah. it? Um, keep practicing, even if that's at least for like a couple times a week, because I did take like a decent amount of time off. Um, so definitely wasn't prepared for that, but, uh, you know, just had to go with the flow. <laughs> At those first three events, your rustiness did translate to miscuts. What did you learn from those opening events before the break? 
yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. And I think, you know, when I look back at it, I'm like, if I had prepared a little bit better, would things be different? Um, and I, I do think so. Um, and one of the things was the transition from college golf to the tour life, having to go from practicing four hours a day to practicing, you know, six hours a day, like to figure out what to do with my time and find balance within that was something that I had a really hard time doing. And I think, you know, after missing and my first cut and then my second cut, it was kind of hard to build off that and try to learn and um, build more confidence. Um, And obviously when money is involved, it becomes way harder, uh, like way harder. Um, But I think, you know, I learned that your rookie year is one of your hardest years and, you know, they weren't lying about that. It definitely is. Um, so I just think, you know, I just had to keep my head down and work really hard to fine tune in, you know, how I can get better. Do you think you found that balance now? Um, I think so. After one year, um, on tour, I feel like, you know, I've learned a lot, um, from that one season. It was very, very different season, but, um, there's a lot that I take away from it. And so I'm, doing the right preparation. I've been practicing, not taking a straight, uh, three weeks off. So, yeah. So I think when we talked before, when you, we hit that break for you guys, especially you guys hit that break, you did some work with the mental coach, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. What are some of the exercises that you worked on during that time? Yeah. So I did a lot of like visual practice, um, and kind of picturing myself, in those moments where I make a birdie putt, I win a tournament. Um, Cause I feel like my, the mind is so powerful and it tends, it'll just naturally wander to um, very negative things. Um, it'll try to tear you apart. And so I think if I can learn to push myself towards the more positive um, outlook on things, I think that really helped me a lot. And also did a lot of meditation. That was something that helped me because I can get, I'm like a pretty hot head. Um, (laughs) like if something doesn't go my way, I can get pretty upset. So meditation was definitely something that helped me become more mellow. And how did, how did doing those exercises impact you on the course? Yeah, definitely did. I think, um, there were some moments where like, if something goes wrong, then just out of my nature, like if you're upset, you're just going to be upset for like a quick second. Um, and so during those times where I realized, you know, I was getting ahead of myself, wasn't really in control. That's where I have to, I remember, okay, meditation, let's work on your breathing. And then that would help me kind of move on and prepare for the next shot. Is there a specific moment where you turn to that that you can recall? Um, I feel like the British Open was a very good one because of the weather. Like it was 40 mile per hour wind. So I think everyone out there was kind of just frustrated, um, you know, because the wind, you just can't control it. So you're just going to have to go with 
how mother nature decides your route's going to be. So I had to really just kind of take my time and digest everything that's around me and focus on myself and the things that I can control. And that comes with maybe doing some breathing exercises to calm me down. Everyone wants to send a postcard from the postage stamp, but not when it's <laughs> raining and 40 mile an hour winds. No, <laughs> like when I experienced that, like I just couldn't believe we even ended up playing because that was like ridiculous, like the how windy it was. Um, but looking back at it now, if there was like 20 mile per hour wind, it, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> That's definitely a way to learn by fire in your first major is professional <laughs> 40 <laughs> miles an hour wins. But exactly. Mental exercises weren't the only thing I assume you did during that time off. Was there anything in particular in your game you tried to focus on during, during the pause? Yeah, I definitely was trying to get stronger. Um, I'm, de- I'm not one of the longer hitters. So making sure I was healthy and getting stronger, um, not like Bryson DeChambeau, but, you know, like making sure I was not getting tired after three rounds or two rounds and uh, making sure I was very stable uh, over the course of a week. So I trained really hard during that time, was trying to eat healthy. Um, Like I did fasting for two weeks, but I couldn't do it after that. It's too hard. I mean, I heard you and Ben's junk food uh, draft race or drafting on uh, his podcast <laughs> episode. I can only imagine how difficult I that love is. food. I love food. That's like my food favorite thing to do is eat. Yeah, good. you're not wrong. But you're mentioning <laughs> training and trying to hit it better. You were fourth on the tour in driving accuracy and around a hundredth in driving distance. Is there a a rank or an average drive distance you kind of have in mind for yourself to build upon with your weight training? Yeah, definitely. Like this, obviously I do think on the LPG tour, you don't have to hit it far to win. Um, but I feel like to a certain extent, at least in my opinion, I feel like if I can gain five to 10 yards, like that'll give me one less club into a green. And I think that will only help me not really hurt me. So this off season, I've been trying to work on getting healthy because I've been battling some injuries and making sure I get stronger. What have you been battling? Well, so this, my whole rookie season, I didn't realize like how much you really have to take care of your body. Because obviously in college, I'd be playing for like, well, at least in the spring, we would have more tournaments, but it wasn't like back to back to back weeks. Um, and like the only thing you're doing is just golf. Um, so like the whole traveling, going on flights or driving, like that has a toll on your body. And, you know, I had to make sure that I was working out consistently and making sure I was stretching and rolling out, um, and making sure that my body was just healthy in preparation for the events. And sadly, I, you know, I learned now, but during, in those moments, it really affected me. And in not a good way. Yeah. How did, it, how did it affect you? So like I went on that five week stretch from the first event in Ohio all the way to Europe. Um, and like I had lost so much weight. I was not strong. So it's like 
I'm putting myself back to how I was like the beginning of quarantine. You know, I should be moving forward and keep building up my strength, but now I've kind of taken a step back and having to restart and rebuild again um, versus where other players are still maintaining their strength and keeping themselves healthy. So that's where I kind of put myself at a disadvantage. Um, so ever since then, I've kind of had been struggling with uh, some back problems. And so that's still something that I'm working on. Um, you know, it's just kind of been ongoing for a while. So making sure I get healthy is my main priority right now. Wait, so you're saying in a sport where you you completely torque your back in like milliseconds, you might possibly have back pain? That is <laughs> mind-boggling. Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> Did you get any good tips or tricks from other players on the tour about finding ways to maintain that that performance weight, if you will, and keeping that muscle on throughout the season? Yeah, like, you know, I obviously the trailers are there for a reason. So my whole thing was unless my body hurts somewhere, um, I'll go in. And if not, then, you know, I just won't go. Um, but I've learned, like, and I'm really close with Robin. She's always going in there, like, and if you look at the names, um, like, when we sign up, like, you'll see the same people going. And obviously, there's people that have their personal trainers. But, you know, if your body is not healthy, don't expect your performance to be 100%, you know. And I think that's something that I've learned my rookie season. And health is, like, my main priority now. And I think that's the only way I can perform well and, you know, get good scores out there. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm curious being your rookie year. So that five week stretch, just talking about that for a second, real quick. I'm pretty sure that you, when you started in Ohio, you weren't necessarily in every event. Like you weren't in both Scottish events yet, were you? Or you were in only no, one? No, no. Um, I was only in the, oh, trying to think. Oh, no, I got it. Oh, no. I think I got in, like, kind of late, actually. Like, I think it was during Ohio when I found out that I got into the Scotland event, the Aberdeen. Um, and then the British, I knew I wasn't going to get into unless I had played well um, in Aberdeen. So that was kind of like, because I've talked with other players and they're like, oh, I'm not going to go um, fly out to Scotland just for one event and then have to come back because it is pretty expensive. So I just kind of took that risk. And if I had made the cut and made enough to get into British, then I was going to go that route. So ended up getting in. <laughs> well, because it's just interesting to me because you talked about how that was a little bit difficult stretch. So you have probably... Have you ever played five consecutive weeks before? No. So that's what I learned after <laughs> five weeks straight. I was like, never doing that again. Never. So I've, I think that's why I'm a rookie. I've learned like, oh, what's my limit? And talking to other players, they're like, yeah, like there are certain players that will only travel to certain um, states or places whenever they feel like they're it matches with their game. Um, but obviously since I'm a rookie, I want to take advantage of playing as in as many tournaments as I can without, you know, wearing my body down. 
if we've learned if we've learned anything talking to players five weeks is the magic number that keeps coming up in all of these episodes like week <laughs> five you're just out of gas i i can only imagine how tough that oh was gosh. especially at a major yeah like that was so tough i think like because my body wasn't the healthiest it definitely affected my performance for sure in professional golf mulligans don't exist but in this particular case you kind of like low-key get a mulligan on your rookie year not really like it's kind of extending i don't even know how to exactly classify it i think it would kind of be a mulligan because like we're getting another try at it basically yeah so you went through your first rookie year did did you learn any and you mentioned some of these battles with your health and and things like that did you develop any kind of start to develop any kind of routine heading into tournaments like i will do practice rounds on these days or make sure i work out on these days or something like that oh yeah definitely like i've realized what works for me what doesn't work for me and um like my first season i just thought getting in as many holds as i could during the practice rounds would put me in an advantage um it did not <laughs> because by the time I got to like my third round, I was already like pretty tired. My stamina wasn't, you know, I wasn't really keeping up. And so I think that kind of impacted my third and fourth rounds for sure. So I, based on those, like my first year, I've learned like what days I want to play nine holes, 18 holes, or just practice. So taking advantage of that. And then last year, as we all know, the year of 2020, and actually a little, it's going into this year too, but the year of the pandemic, and you got to play three events pre-pandemic, and then you made 10 starts post-pandemic. What was the biggest difference in preparing for those tournaments? Um, I do think I was, I would say I was more prepared in terms of like practicing. Um, but just the whole process, like it was very different, obviously, because of the coronavirus, um, having to do all this testing. Like when we went to Europe, we had to stay in our room literally as soon as we got there until the next day, until our tests came out. Um, like in normal cases, we would have been able to go right out to the course as soon as we landed. But just a lot of different things, I would say. Um, I don't know. It's just, it was kind of chaotic. <laughs> well, was there, were you able to get a typical week? Like, was there any sort of consistency or what was a typical week like for you? I would say it's still like very similar, unless like you were to test for COVID and things would be very different. Um, I didn't though. That, I was, very happy that I didn't test once for COVID. I was COVID free during that, all those tournaments. So go me. <laughs> and your, and your caddy too. Cause I know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Were but, there any, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> oh no. Well, I was. <laughs> no, no, you go ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I would say like, you know, I, I think during the course of like the beginning after the 
quarantine, I was still kind of learning because it's like took played three tournaments. Oh shoot. Now we have three months off and now we're going back into it. So I kind of had to restart and figure out and fine tune and what worked best for me. Were there any personal challenges that you faced during that time? Um, I was just like, like for me, my biggest thing was just deciding like, oh, how many holes did I want to play? And then there are certain obstacles like in Oregon with the whole fire. Like that was crazy. We didn't get to play till Tuesday. And that was only practicing, I'm pretty sure. Or nine holes. So, I mean, a lot of stuff went on in 2020. Yeah. What surprised you the most? <laughs> huh. What surprised me the most? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I can't think off the top of my head what surprised. Um, you would think I'd know, like, right off the bat, but it was a struggle for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what would be an example? I guess in your defense as your lawyer, it's hard to be surprised when there's no expectations. Yes, actually, that's very true. I think for me, actually, okay, let me backtrack. So going into my um, rookie season, because I was such a consistent player in college, um, like I just kind of went into this with a blind eye because I never really played any professional events either. Like I played in two U.S. Opens and those are like very different from your normal, like regular event. And so I do think I set a lot of expectations for myself in that sense where I wanted to perform well, win a tournament, make some money. But um, obviously going through it kind of the hard way where I was missing multiple cuts back to back. Um, you know, I was, I think, this past year was probably the worst I had ever played. Um, at least for the like past three years, I, I, I thought I was a better college player, like amateur than I was last year, to be honest. Um, and I think it just highlights and shows how hard it is, you know, professional golf. It's like all in your head because when I looked at the leaderboard as a amateur and I saw like, Oh, plus four, plus five. I'm like, oh, I could go out there and play. And now being in that position and realizing like you're playing for money, first of all, um, so much money goes into golf too. Like in college, everyone's paying, like the school's paying for everything. So it's different. Um, and like you're practicing all day. You have to figure out what you want to do with your time. So it was kind of like a battle against myself. Um, and trying to figure out what would be the best route for me. And then you also started your professional career during the pandemic where like the LPGA putting in some safety protocols really limited what you could do. Like that was the big thing. I talked to other players like in Scotland, it was like, if you weren't at the golf course, you like, had to be at the hotel essentially. Right. So it's like, yeah. Well, I don't want to just st stay in my hotel room. 
yeah I all think, the time <laughs> yeah it definitely was a bit of a challenge because you know the last thing you want to do is be in a room by yourself thinking about your round like especially if it's a bad round you're just there with your thoughts um so it was a bit harder trying to figure out what to do with my time uh, but also I think even though 2020 was definitely not a great year I am also very grateful for it because now I get a second chance at this thing. Like it's never happened like this before. So I think, you know, I'm going to find the good in it and take what I've learned and apply it to this year. A final question on the COVID top playing during COVID. Uh, but what was the biggest difference from what you expected versus what actually happened playing during COVID? I definitely think fans like that was a pretty big difference. Obviously playing under pressure without fans. I think it is different. I mean, like I saw, I think I read an article about how it impacted Rory's game. Like he likes having fans out there. Like it builds momentum for him. And I've only had that experience for three events. So it's, a little bit hard to compare that when you know the rest of the year I've had to play with zero fans um so I think that's probably something that's made a difference in my perspective yeah there are some players that mentioned the post or yeah post break that it had a college vibe to it did it feel like a have a college tournament yeah it definitely did because like my mom always travels with me so it's like oh any other tournament I have one cheerleader and that's my mom (laughs) (laughs) um so it kind of it did kind of have that vibe like usually if there was a crowd I feel like I would be kind of nervous at the start um but there was never like oh I'm super jittery like I'm so like nervous um yeah, I don't know. It just felt very different from my first three tournaments that I played. Is there a specific feeling that comes to mind? Um, well, I feel like, you know, having large crowds applaud for you. Because um, I, I do think if I had a lot of people watching me and cheering me on, that would build a lot of momentum for me. Um, and, you know, even when I'm not having a great round, just seeing a crowd following you and supporting you, I think would be very encouraging. And you mentioned struggling to bring your game from the college level to the professional level this year. What kind of markers in your game are you looking for to be like, oh, I'm back to my college level and now I'm going to surpass this? Yeah, it was definitely for me just finding confidence um, because as a college player, I always wanted, like, obviously every tournament you go into, you want to be able to win. Um, and that was kind of my thought process. When I go out there, I think that I'm the best player and my goal is to always be holding the trophy. And I was just in all areas of my game. I didn't feel like I was severely lacking something. Like I feel like everything just was well put together. And this past year, it's like, oh, this week my driving was bad. Oh, this week my putting was bad. And so to kind of weekend and week out, try to bounce back from 
you know, maybe a not so great tournament and then having a good one. And then right after that, having a bad one. So it's kind of, it's really all mental. I think like didn't really realize how much I was struggling till I had to kind of sit back and dissect what was going on with my game. And ultimately it was just in my head. I had to tell myself you're, you deserve to be out here. Um, you know, you deserve to work hard and go out there and win a tournament. And I think that's the kind of mindset I have to create for myself, knowing that I'm fully capable of coming out here and competing with these top players. Can you remember when and where you did that? I feel like it was just kind of after the five week stretch. Cause we, I was like, Oh shoot. Like a lot's been going on. And then after that five week stretch, I think we had, Oh, we went straight to Arkansas. Oh shoot. So I played for like six weeks actually. <gasps> yeah. Um, cause we had went straight to Arkansas after Scotland, but Arkansas, I actually like thought I had my game together. Like I was scoring under par. I wasn't shooting like way over par. Um, my putting was going really well. So I was kind of finding tune in that. And so, you know, that's all it takes one tournament to kind of turn everything around. And so now that I've learned like, okay, when I have a bad week, what can I do? Um, that's kind of like how I can give myself the advantage. And if I can quickly just kind of reflect and use that as a tool to, you know, get better that next week or a better preparation. I think that's all it takes. And you had that really good round at the second round of the KPMG women's PGA championship. Mm -hmm. Your low end of the year is 67, yeah. really difficult conditions. What did that speak to you about what you could accomplish out there? Oh yeah. I definitely think, you know, when everything is a little bit cleaner, like my game is more well put together. I can go out there and score. Now, like my caddy and I have talked about this. I think on the harder courses where I don't make as many mistakes, my name will be up there on the leaderboard and I'll be able to score better versus like more of a birdie fest where I have to make sure I shoot four under or five under a round to, you know, get my name on the leaderboard. I think that was the biggest difference for me is, you know, even on a hard course, if I can minimize my mistakes, that's going to help me. Mm -hmm. And a tournament where it's generally hard courses and not expecting low scoring is the U S women's open. You got in as an amateur and you got in through qualifying and 18 and 19 respectively. And the USGA announced today that qualifying for the open is going to happen again, postponed due to the pandemic last year. What's that process like? Yeah, I, I saw it on Twitter and I was like, oh, mom, look, we have qualifiers this year. Um, but yeah, I'm like super stoked that they were able to do that this year because obviously last year it kind of sucked not having that. But also, you know, the LPGA and the USGA handed, not handed, but they gave out opportunities. Like if you finish top, if you're the top two finishers in this event, then you would um, get exempted into the U S open. But 
Um, like last year I didn't, I just didn't play well enough to get that spot. So super excited to have a chance, at least in a qualifier. What's it like playing through a qualifier versus playing as a member of the tour in an event? Yeah, I feel like, you know, no matter how you qualify, I feel like everyone earns it. Um, and so obviously having the qualifier gives more people the opportunity to play in it um, because the U.S. Open is one of the most prestigious events out there. Uh, So I just think, and I've played in, I've played in a lot of qualifiers too. So I feel like I'm pretty good at those one day 36 hole qualifiers where I can get in fair and square. And for going forward for 2021, what parts of your game are you working on the most and hoping to improve upon next year? I guess it's this year now. Yeah, definitely my putting. Um, like me and my caddy, Scott, we talked and reflected on, you know, what I could do better. And I've talked about this with my coaches too. And um, I have like a little paper on my desk and my house in my room. And I wrote down like all my stats that I wanted to improve number wise and like, the goals that I wanted to accomplish. So like I have a long list, but uh, putting and then definitely just hitting more greens. Those are like the two biggest things that I'm focusing on this year um, because I struggled a bit. It definitely hurt my game, not being able to make a lot of putts. And then obviously hitting greens would definitely be beneficial. Do you have any particular numbers in mind? As Ben can attest, I am the stats guy. Well, I will say I want to, my numbers for, uh, fairways is pretty good. So I want to maintain that. Um, and definitely like getting my putting stat to under 30 would be the goal. Cause I think I average like 31. So that's not where I want to be. Um, and then as we talked about earlier, driving distance, uh, that's like a goal that I want to continue to maintain is making sure I hit a little bit longer. (laughs) And do you have any non-category stat-wise goals for 2021? Yeah, definitely. Like a goal, I think, for anyone would be to win a tournament. That's something that I always dreamed of. So hopefully this year is that year. Um, And also rookie of the year would is definitely a goal of mine too. So a lot of a lot of things on that list. That's a very strange thing to say out loud. Yeah, that's my second year. I want to win Rookie of the Year this go around. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate your time, Jennifer. I have a question for the both of you, though. Are both of you going to improve your junk food takes in 2021? I mean, Jennifer, you... I've already failed. I literally had ramen noodles yesterday. You you go on men's show. You, You are USC, right? You are... A university of spoiled children alum because in and out burger being there, and you say a Shake Shack burger. Okay, I will this say is... I okay in and out. I think it's a little bit overrated. Like I do think Shake Shack is better. We can they end the podcast options. now, Ben. We can end it now. <laughs> Wait, do you guys think In and Out is better? Um, yes. to be to be fair, I've never had Shake Shack to judge uh, compare against. But also, I have to say that I have purposely avoided it so that I'm not potentially swayed the other way. Well, <laughs> I think you should open up your options and try Shake Shack. 
<laughs> it's okay, Ben. You can shake off that comment. It's all right. <laughs> don't don't encourage Those him, dad Jennifer. Jokes. <laughs> don't encourage him. Oh my gosh. Couldn't imagine a better note to end on. Thanks for the time, Jennifer, and looking forward to seeing what you do in 21. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jennifer. We'll talk soon, man. Sounds good, Ken. Talk to you later. <laughs>